What's up, guys? Britt here. Welcome back to the Young American Podcast. This week, we are continuing on with our mini-series. This is going to be a Young American Music episode, so for all of you audiophiles out there, John, Andrew, and I sat down and we had a conversation about one of the godfathers of indie rock, uh, Pedro the Lion released an album called Control, on a phenomenal, phenomenal album that had a huge impression on us, and you'll hear us talk about it. If you've heard it, uh, give it the time. If you haven't heard it, I hope that you become a Pedro the Lion fan after this, because you may not know what you're missing. So in the next week, we do have some very cool guests that are going to be uh, recording some podcasts with us. I think you guys will have a lot of fun with that. Very, very uh, fun conversations coming up. So as always, reach out to us. If you are a fan of movies or music, let us know if there's something that you would like us to review. And if you can do me a personal favor, we've got a lot of people that listen to Young Americans. So if you are one of the ones that searches us out and fires this one up just to uh, kill an hour or two, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. That would be very helpful to us. And it uh, helps us in the future to get some of the uh, content and some of the fun guests that we hope to get. So we really appreciate you guys listening. This is Young American. We're back. We're doing some young American music, and we're reviewing an album today. Mm. We're talking about a band called Pedro the Lion releasing an album called Control that came mm-hmm. out in 2002. This is a concept album, and there's some debate on that, on whether it is or it isn't. We can get into that. But where were you guys, or where did you first hear... Pedro the Lion and Control, or was this the first album that you that you heard of theirs? I think it's worth mentioning that this is a, we'll call them a Christian band. Christian band. It's <laughs> almost a solo artist, too. Right. Pedro the Lion is David Bazan. <clears throat> David Bazan, who pretty much does everything on his albums, save for drums, I would say on average, would you agree with that? He played every. Okay, so he did everything. In the very right. first wow. one, every instrument. This was the so 2002. Uh, I was late to this just because of my age, and I had the opportunity to see Pedro the Lion at Singletary Center. Whoa. You went, Britt. John, yes. did you go? I did, but that was your first time seeing him. Me for sure. I was 2003. Really. You know what's fun? We paid fifteen dollars for those tickets. Low, low played the band yeah. Low Play, which and he had a stretchy uh, XL or not XLR a guitar cable. It was like uh, like one of those old curly ones. This is such an important album, even more so now. I think to me than it was in two thousand and three when I first heard it, hmm. because of the religious, spiritual, evangelical kind of. His uh, David Bazan's commentary on what it means to be a Christ follower and also kind of grapple with these ideas of, like Britain said, controls all about infidelity. 
Yeah, that's and we'll get into this too. But but this like I again like Phoenix, the episode we did prior, I didn't know that Christian artists could write music like this, right? And that it was like that I could listen to it. He right? was fairly well shunned for his writing style. Like yeah, I mean, and this is very controversial character. I don't think that. Um, Bazan subscribes to Christianity anymore. I think um, mm-hmm. he's kind of deconstructed or whatever you want to call it. He's probably more agnostic than anything. But um, yeah, this was... So Nathan Miller, who was in a band with me in high mm. school, Nathan was responsible for showing me lots and lots of music. Um, he and Tevis... Um, they showed Chris and I um, Death Cab for Cutie. They showed us Modest Mouse. And I remember Nathan showing me this album. And I think this is the very first. And I had to retrospectively go back and, and listen to Winners Never Quit right, and Hard right. to Find a Friend. Mm-hmm. Right. And when I listened to Control, I was like, whoa, this mm-hmm. guy's this guy is a songwriter on another level. Um mm-hmm. So I think I remember I probably would have been in Wilmore, Kentucky at Nathan's house listening to it on CD. And this is one of those albums that I can vividly remember thumbing through um, the like the artwork of it and the concept of it and things like that. Just kind of looking through all of the different um, pictures and things like that. And it's got a very like it's got a, a. an album art that goes very hand in hand with mm-hmm. the with the songwriting. But you're right. Mm-hmm. Um John, did you want to say when you heard it or anything like that? I'm glad that you mentioned Tevis because I think I I actually oddly enough kind of always think of Tevis when I think of this album specifically. Mm-hmm. Um because I don't know if he was just like, John, you've gotta listen to this. I just feel like at that stage in our life it so this was what 2002 2002 so i mean we were still in high school you know and like i just think you know at that point you know like i was at dunbar you guys were at lafayette and like our friend groups were like now kind of established in two different places correct but when we did get together and i was i was hanging out with you guys i remember kind of like you know we kind of talk about whilst I think Dunbar is the superior academic yeah. institution, <laughs> I always felt like Lafayette was way more the artistic lane, way more the musical lane, and in that scene differently. And I remember kind of hearing options for the first time and Tevis being there, and I was just like, oh, man. Like, I mean, especially in 2002, I'm going like the emotional music I'm listening to is like Dashboard or Good Charlotte, you know, or Simple Plan. I'm, you know, nobody's perfect kind of, you know what I mean? Like I had never heard a song or certainly like a, a, a writer write songs that were this heavy and like like a tortured soul this guy is just like a tortured and you know like the thing that i love about dave is just like he just looks like a dude that would work at whole foods correct he's just this guy and you're just going wow the the that you're talking about feels so real and so like you're not right you know it's funny we just released that um 
the episode with Abby where Abby can kind of do that thing where she is a changeling and she can get in someone else's skin and write a song from their perspective. Not Dave. This is like, this was Thursday this morning when hit the fan and it was just like, I'd never heard anything like that before. And oddly enough, I kind of just connect that to Tevis and that friend group and kind of just like that season of music that we were kind of discovering in that season. I have like a, just a running list of my favorite songwriters and Dave has always been in that list i think he Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. one of the best songwriters of our time raw emotional he writes songs and they're almost internal conversations of a like a suicidal guy standing on the edge Mm. and it's like thoughts that you would only have or think about if you've ever been like i remember as a teenager read listening to some of these lyrics and being like i've never thought that before like i've just Mm. never thought there is a certain if you're a pedro fan i think Mm -hmm. there's a certain component of you (laughs) that (laughs) likes to stare into the abyss or as my brother says likes to feed the black dog or likes to pet the black dog a little bit he's definitely got a dark side um to him I, i i jokingly tell Liz I'm like hey if I'm listening to if you ever catch me listening to mm-hmm. too much Pedro you know it's time to to snap me out of it or put me in therapy yeah. or something like that yeah you've been in the upside down too exactly long. exactly <laughs> but um so Control comes out it's his third album he wrote all he he played wrote everything on Hard to Find a Friend and then he gets with this guy T.W. Walsh Tim Walsh and they do Winners Never Quit. And that one is a front-to-back uh, concept album. And I think it's about mm. drug abuse and, and mm-hmm. about just a guy falling in deep with that. The, he follows it up. He writes Control. And he says, I already did my concept album with Winners Never Quit. And he so he begins to write it. And he says he realizes 75% the way through it oh man, I did it again. Like there's a common thread. So he did not set out. Which is incredible. I know, yeah. right? Yeah. This was the first time I'd ever heard of a concept album. I was like, what's a mm-hmm. concept album? I had no idea. I mean, now yeah. in retrospect, you know, like the Who had Pinball Wizard and, and that whole album and some, you know, some other greats and things like that. Yellow Submarine. There's, you know, concept albums have been around for a long time. But Dave writes control 75% of the way through it, realizes, oops, I did it again. So just decides to finish it. And it's basically, it's an album about American capitalism, midlife crisis, you know, middle class infidelity. It's about a a husband and wife relationship that is unraveling. Um, A guy gets caught in an affair and inevitably the wife kills him sorry to spoil it for you but um really really interesting concepts and you can ride that wave all the way through Mm -hmm. but chris wanted to say chris sends his best (laughs) (laughs) chris sends his best from the grave well he said what a coming of age album for chris i had no idea you could write such raw thrilling and depressing music all at the same time same time and he says the opening tom hit with the minor <laughs> chord 
sets the tone for the yeah. entire track. Such a strange way <laughs> yeah. to start an album. Just boom. And then it just starts into this almost just painfully dragging it, tempo. Yeah. Okay, so this, so now, l- let me kind of jump in on the tempo Go thing. For it. Dave Bazan, and, and this album especially. It sounded like you said the day of Bazan. The day, <laughs> our good friend David Bazan can drag out a word each <laughs> syllable at a time so painstakingly slow yeah but it works he drags out the word infidelity and you're just waiting for this word to end yeah right (laughs) but it but it works it works so well and somehow like that sort of motif of like these songs are rock songs i would say and that's the one thing question i had for you all is how would you describe this album john you mentioned a little bit of the quote-unquote emo Mm -hmm. um movement or whatever when i think indie rock pedro the lion is mm-hmm. one of the very first three bands that i think of i think that this guy is as indie rock as you can mm-hmm. where it's like this is an acquired taste not everybody goes here type of mm-hmm. a thing mm-hmm. and it's you know because he's got songs on here like indian summer that just like the musically just freaking rock so yeah i mean this is a, this is a like it's a rock and roll album. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 not like super polished either. You know, like how they mixed and mastered this like doesn't sound really bright and doesn't sound really clean. And it sounds like this isn't the right term by any means, but like lo-fi. But it just sounds pretty like, oh, DIY. This is one, one guy, guy that did, did this himself. Yeah, and kind of recorded it that way. And yeah, there's something very like thick and heavy. And, you know, like well, that... This, the, what they kind of talk about, like with Johnny Cash, like <laughs> in Walk the Line, just like low and slow and like moves like a bullet train kind of thing. It's just like it's so slow and it's so intentional and drudging and it hits. Like, I mean, I, we'll obviously talk about second best, but you're just going, like, is there a more rocking song that we know no. that is at like 64 BPM. (laughs) It is so slow. And that's just like his mantra. And then it also is great too, because then like, you know, on, on this album, some, but then obviously like, as he kind of progresses through his career on other albums, like, you know, me and Andrew were talking about, um, quietest friend. Like he kind of, grows up and he you know kind of gets out of this season and he gets out of these these themes and like when he brings in some of the lightness and just like a different tonality it's really fun too because you know that he can go high and low talking about quietest friend i I adore so he quit in 2006 2008 Mm -hmm. he pedro disbanded he let go of the the band and it was just like i'm not going to do this anymore and then 2019 he comes back and he writes Phoenix, Phoenix, not to be confused with the band <laughs> that we reviewed, um, but it's about him as a kid in Phoenix, Arizona, and in the same way that he has captured the depressing, just mundane, awful thoughts mm-hmm. of midlife crisis and an unraveling marriage, he's captured being an elementary school student riding a bike around Mm -hmm. Phoenix, Mm -hmm. Arizona. And Mm -hmm. I love and adore that album. 
yellow mm-hmm. bike, Circle K. That Circle one just K. cuts me, man. Yeah. And I don't even know what it is. It's such a sweet picture of a just a kid. And the way mm-hmm. that he articulates it is so, so beautiful. On that album, Chris always says he sounds like a drunk Burl Ives. So what should we do with a drunken sailor in the morning? <laughs> wow. Like you talked about, Andrew, you talked about him like stretching out words. Chris has this just, on a desert Christmas. Yeah. Well, you talk about midlife crisis. He was 26 when this came out. Yeah. So he has somehow put himself, probably wrote it over the course of how many years, but it came out when he was 26. And it's got this aged, this maturity, this depression, this like. You imagine it was like he's he's reaching into like embody a guy that's worried about like taxes and finances. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and Pay just just like the opposite yeah. of, just like other albums, the lyrics, I don't say don't matter, but I don't pay attention to the lyrics. They're everything. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. yes. This I, when I listen to this album. Number one, it, I kind of find it hard to listen to just one song at a time, and I don't listen to the whole thing every time, so I don't want to give that impression. But I have the scenes in my head that I have created that it's like reading a book mm. before you see the movie, right? So I, I have this, like, the hotel room looks like this certain hotel room in my mind, yeah. or mm-hmm. um, when he's coming home from work to his wife and kids, like... Kids at the pool. That pool is yeah. in my mind yeah. as some pool that yeah. I've created... The priests and paramedics, like, yeah. I'm sure you can probably relate to that, where it's like the stretcher looks a certain way or the house that they pull up to looks a certain way. So it's got this mm-hmm. almost cinematic, I'm filling in the, and that's what makes it fun. I'm filling in these gaps. He's given yeah. us this source material, yeah. and then mm-hmm. we can put visuals to, because he's telling a story. The whole thing's a story. It's a 40-minute right. story right. that is extremely vivid, yeah. um, graphic. And th- and that's what's cool about this album, too, and and just... Pedro as a whole, he is such like a wordsmith and he's a craftsman at at how he puts these songs together. And this album just like goes. Like Rapture oh, is dude. is one of like a like that's a song where I'm just like put the windows down and turn this shit up because it just is so good. Like I would love to ever like write a song that is that rocking. Um I think you guys both got to go to it, but like I recently got to go to like the, I guess it was like the 10 year, 20 year. Yes. Um, uh, or no, it was actually 20 and then 25. Mm-hmm. I didn't of, get to go. But of this album. And then um, it's hard to find a friend. And the room was so excited to hear all of these songs. And then when it was time for Rapture, it was like up level. And it th- that song just like, goes down for me as just like one of like the best most rocking like it just it's like gasoline 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 and just go 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 and you know if you take away the themes you take away <laughs> the sadness and the heaviness and you just listen this song this album just is like one of my favorite like it's just heavy and the beauty of it it's just the three of them when they play it live yes. yeah it's no frills. It's no whatever. It's just the three of them, and it's so loud, and it's so raw, and that's kind of what Pedro always is to me. We saw him in the basement east there in Nashville, and mm-hmm. when they played, because we saw him on the same tour that you did, and something, if you've ever seen these guys or if you ever go to see David, 
there's like a sincerity to him that not mm-hmm. many other artists have. I remember when we saw him at Singletary there, and he used to do this Q and A. Yeah, he would he would stand up there. He would play a couple of songs. Hey, what's up? We're Pedro the Lion. They don't have an intro track or anything. He's just he does. He looks like he ought to be stocking shelves somewhere <laughs> at a, at a Whole Foods. And after a couple of songs, he he introduces himself in the band, and then he's like, "Hey, does anybody have uh, any questions?" And you feel like you're in a lecture. You know, yeah. and he's he's just like your instructor. Yeah. And people raise their hand and they'll be like, "Hey, what did you mean by this? Hey, are you going to be releasing any albums like this? Hey, I remember that one kid there raised his hand and said, "Can I go to the bathroom?" Just like to try and get a laugh <laughs> out of everybody. And uh, he like he still kind of has this strange like approachability. I, He's very awkward feeling. It is kind of awkward feeling. There's two types of people that go to shows. There's the person that when you go to see him, it's like, I came here to, I paid money to hear you play music, play the f-ing song. Like, all I want to hear is mm-hmm. to hear yeah. you guys play, and I want to hear you play as many songs as possible because that's what I came here for. Or there's the person that wants to hear somebody tell the background. Hey, I wrote mm-hmm. this when I was mm-hmm. living out of my car. I wrote this. Mm-hmm. Or making like little this. jokes. Making little and jokes and stuff like that. Hear the Blink-182 banter or something like that. And David caters to that that mm-hmm. that secondary, that latter person like that. Yeah. And always has. And that's why I think this album and this artist makes Andrew hard nonstop. <laughs> it's just like there is absolutely no f- <laughs> thrills to his show. And when he saw this, it was just like first song, great. Second song, great. Third song, I mean, great. He hey, I'm Dave. Dave. Okay, okay ready? ready? Four, he, like, he'll just, just scream the count off too. Do you notice that he do that when you all saw yeah. him where he'll he'll just Yeah. It's like <laughs> just there's three of them. They're pretty close together on the stage yep. so they can hear each yep. other fairly well. And he's just yelling the count into the next song, which is so medieval and primitive. But but I do appreciate it because you know that, and he and he said this in an interview about I don't know it was probably 20, 2018, 19, It was pre COVID when I saw them for the first time since two thousand three when my jaw hit the floor, and they had upped their sound, they'd upped their audio yeah. engineering. There's yeah. just three of them, but they you know he he he's been quoted as saying something you know to the effect of like we knew that we could give a little bit more production value to it which is not them not being themselves it's just mm-hmm. rec- the recon- the recognition that we can up our game a little bit um and the sonic quality is absolutely unbelievable mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. one guitarist yeah one bassist one drummer no backing tracks Really, not even a lot of backing vocals either. No, like, not not and, and which is funny because Eric Walters, their now guitarist, has an incredible yeah. voice and could yeah. do eighty percent more harmony than he does. You know what I mean? He doesn't. Yeah. It's funny they because he played guitar all the way up yes. until yeah. two thousand six. And when they got back together mm-hmm. in twenty nineteen, if you see them now, David plays bass and all and. I don't know if he just knows the parts so intimately, but mm-hmm. man, what a seamless transition. I don't know if sonically if that's assisted them at hmm. all in that. But. Well, he also, like, he really, we're now kind of talking about the live performance of Pedro, but, like, he knows when to hit a chord on a bass because when he hits those chords in second best, it's just like, 
but like the earth has just opened up yeah and and like there's a hole in the atmosphere now it's just like he he doesn't try and trick it he's not trying to throw one like throw a a curveball he's just like i'm just gonna throw it 98 straight down the middle it's gonna be loud and this is who i am and and that's what i love about him it's very earnest and it's very um to the point and this album is about as <laughs> to the point as you can get. I'll bring um, it back to Ernest. Ernest is a really good word to describe it. He, when he started his show on this last tour, and he's playing this whole album, Control. Andrew mm-hmm. just said a moment ago he was 26 years old when he wrote this. Yeah, yeah. And he gives a disclaimer mm-hmm. four or five yeah, he did songs the same for in, us too. and he said, "Hey." I was, you know, pretty young and the world was a different place when I wrote these songs. And he basically like gave the audience an out. And he's like, you guys, I've, we've experienced these songs together. And when you hear them live, something may, you know, hit you a little differently. Maybe it's been a while Mm -hmm. since you heard them. And I give you permission to just go take a break, take a breather. And he, and he basically just, utters an apology about some of the lyrical content or misconceptions yeah. or things. He's like, I was a young man, you know, yeah. there probably was a little more misogyny and prejudice and in, in, in some of these lyrics and stuff. And I was just like, I was blown away at yeah. the earnestness and the mm-hmm. maturity of us. I've never heard a songwriter feel the need to do that, let alone yeah. to say it. Yeah. Um, pretty wild and this song you know there's a song in here called indian summer you know and you guys know the lyric where you know all the experts say you ought to start them young that way they naturally and you discover it for yourself and he doesn't speak that line (laughs) anymore he doesn't sing Mm -hmm. that line and hasn't for Mm -hmm. for a number i found a cornerstone video from 2003 where he changed it then Really? Now I don't know if that's because it was Cornerstone and that's a Christian festival. Interesting. So it could it could very well be that it was a function of that being you know time and place and like he knows not to say this lyric at this festival. But I I because I wow. I, I was just looking up some live videos. Um, what year did you say? Two thousand three. I'll send it to you guys. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, What's funny when we saw him, it was at. Um, a smaller venue, but it was still like a good amount of people. And when he played that, someone there's a guy who's just like at every show is going a little bit too hard and enjoys the show a little bit too much and knows a little bit too much about. And Britain will knock his ass out. (laughs) (laughs) And Britain will bite that mother. Um, He was like raging during that song. And when that line comes up, he screams it out. He screamed it out. And now like, could you hear him? Yes. But it's not like it was like a, quiet acoustic show or anything like that but even in that moment like the people around him are just kind of like come on dude like why would you do that because it's funny because like he did the same thing at our show kind of saying like hey listen he even like kind of worded as like i've had a lot of conversations with that 20 year old and it's funny like i've just i'm not that person anymore and i've kind of come to grips with that he talked about himself in that way and um you know, a lot of his fans, I would imagine, especially just kind of like the the content of, of the music that he typically writes, are older and have, have 
have listened to him for, from like a younger age and grown up with him. And so for this one guy to be like screaming this pretty, you know, pretty obscene line um, for the rest of the audience, it'd be kind of like, come on, dude, like you don't have to do that. It's just kind of a funny parallel to Dave growing up and being older and is, you know, like probably what mid forties at this point, mid fifth, almost 50. And yeah, he's 47. Yeah, he just, yeah, he's not like that same person, probably not as angry and, and as self-centered and stuff like that. But then you're also going like, he's the most, he wears like a black hoodie yes. every day. Like he is the most unassuming guy, but he obviously like kind of had his demons and had the stuff that he went through. And it's, it's cool to see that, you know, a, a guy like that and um, an artist like that to just put that much of themselves in their music. Whereas now, you know, like music and artistry is, is it feels like, and you know, this sounds a little bit like an old man being grumpy about stuff, but like it feels a little bit more commercial and it feels a little bit more like to gain and what's in it for me. Whereas this guy's just kind of like, I'm just going to play all these songs by myself in a garage and see what happens you know i mean like dave certainly doesn't have a ton of money right like no, he's not, not like making a ton off of this stuff but you know it's cool how like him doing that stuff has led to it becoming an album and an artist that we all really love and admire i mean think about this album pedro does not have that many albums no okay so let's say there's hard to find a friend winners never quit control achilles heel Phoenix and then Phoenix. the two new and ones. Then, yeah. So, Havasu? Is so that yeah, yeah. Havasu, but this control in particular, in my opinion, if this doesn't come out and this is a bit of the butterfly effect, but this album to me is the reason why bands like brand new Manchester orchestra mm-hmm. who these heavy, like when you see them live and we've been talking a lot about live, performances and especially with this because it is i think it's that meaningful to their to their craft but the way that control is written and the subject matter and the and the way that it is heavy but not messy you know not but it's together and it's and it's and it were all these these parts work together these few parts because there's not that many of them is the reason why the bands that we like now work yeah, that's mm-hmm. a that's a really like the reason you can play a half step down on a guitar and have hmm. a really big sound, but also be kind of delicate in your lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if you know in the same way that and, and this is you know, David Bazan is a Seattle guy, so the same way that like the Pacific Northwest kind of spits out these grungy, kind of gritty, you know. Uh, 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 I'm just thinking about this origins of grunge to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just every time I listen to Control, I think, oh man, thank you, Control, for <laughs> for paving the way for right. bands that I like now, who almost I guarantee were listening to Control. It's funny, Britt. Earlier, you were talking about how you know maybe Dave or maybe this album kind of makes you like it's almost as if it's like the thoughts of a guy like like standing on the edge, mm-hmm. you know, looking over. And the first thing that came into my mind was like, oh, Papa Roach, cut my life into pieces. You know what I mean? Hell and, yeah. And that, those are two polar, polar extremes on so many levels. But Andrew, you bring up that good point, whereas like, you know, on a very, again, this sounds like boo, capitalism, boo, big, whatever, but it's like 
on one side you have like the commercialized perspective of sadness and I'm just at the end of my rope and I'm blah 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 blah. The and nondescript you, the nondescript yeah, angst and you listen sadness. to a song yeah. like Last Resort of Papa Roach and you're just going like no, that's a like that's a joke song. Yeah. So, so many, many people, you're going like, okay, whatever. There's a really great Eggs Tyrone kind video. Of a banger, though. With, <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a banger. <laughs> with, kind of a banger song though. And it's own right. But so you have that, and then on the other side, you have, you know, like, like, like what you're saying, like second best. And you're these songs, you're just going like, there's something about what he was able to capture and hopefully emulate in other bands of the heavy feelings. And the delicateness, and it's not sappy, and it's not out for gain, and it's not like kind of wishy-washy. It feels very rooted in reality, and and yeah, Ernest. Maybe Ernest is like the best way to describe Pedro and this album. I think so. Um, just because it's just it feels so real, and and it's funny, Andrew. You mentioned like I don't just like turn this on to listen to one song, and if I did, it's probably Rapture. But like. You kind of need to listen to some of it. I don't often find myself going like, "Oh, top to bottom, I'm gonna, right." This is a control. I say that day. too. I like, say that. I say that. Oh, yeah. Chris, I'm like, I can handle about four or five songs in a row, mm-hmm. unless I'm just mm-hmm. in a mood. And yeah. then after that, you're just like, "All right, it's time to open the window and see some sun." <laughs> Let's turn on Phoenix. This is a subtitles album, the same way that I would say that Game of Thrones is a subtitles TV show. Interesting. Oh boy. This to me, and and okay, I know, I <laughs> I at this point will just have subtitles on. Lizzie does too. And I do this more now, but having the lyrics option up on Apple Music, I do that. And often. How it tracks it. If you mm. if you have not listened to Control yet, I would suggest hitting the top with options and do the whole album and have the lyrics up. Yeah, because it is it is a it's like reading a book. It's like reading a short story um, mm-hmm. where you, you this imagery that and I mentioned this before, but it is that special. I mean, it, it's that it's dark and it's heavy, but it's like what one in seven people's stories or one in. Yeah, to some degree, not the whole thing, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not everyone gets murdered by their spouse. I don't know <laughs> if you guys have this, but like, for especially for us, and if you know, if you're a fan of this podcast and you hate music and movies, I apologize wholeheartedly. But how'd you find <laughs> yourself in this place? But this album in particular, and Pedro the Lion, it's a little bit for me a litmus test as to like how much of a music fan or a music lover are you and i've been in a i've i can count how many times i've done this where i've kind of got to i remember for some reason this is a weird story but there was a a guy that i i used to like um through some friends i dog sat his two dogs and him him, him and his wife and i kind of like he was he was like oh you're in a band like and was telling me a little bit about his band and stuff and then um, I was looking through this stack of CDs and I was kind of looking at some of the albums and he had, you know, like the Afghan wigs and some pixie albums, some early Nirvana, maybe like garbage and some other like grungy type stuff. And I went and I bought control and I was like, when, when they came home, I was like, Hey man, I kind of wonder if you might like this one. Like I saw your music and I think the and the next time I saw him he was like, "Hey, uh wow. 
you, uh, <laughs> you, re- and this guy's like a marriage or grief counselor right now. So that kind of tells oh you the headspace <laughs> that this guy's in. But he was like, wow, you, uh, you really pinned me down on that Pedro the Lion band. <laughs> like Jesse Witter was the same one. He'd never heard mm. Pedro the Lion. I gave him control and it was just, you know. So it's kind of one of those bands, like, uh, especially for indie rock. Um, do you guys have any other things as we're going to wrap this up? Any favorite songs? Do we want to do a uh, uh, favorite songs? That is a good one, I think, for this album, especially. But my favorite song, Warts and All, I really love Indian Summer. Mm-hmm. I, too. I think mm-hmm. in later years, especially when I saw it live, I really like Progress for whatever reason. That's the one that's got the weird, like, um, just like f- some sort of a weird like uh, phaser or something in the very beginning of it. You can't really understand what he's saying, but something about that. That's funny. What? That's just that's my least favorite. Is it really? Mm-hmm. I really love that song. It's it's hard for me to not say Rapture. I there's just something about that's so wild. Nathan used to say that too. Nathan and Holly High. They'd be like, man, I just mm. love this song. And to me, I was just like, you know, the despicable content going on in it, right? <laughs> well, listen to any pop song these days. It's That's all true. banging someone else that like, you're not supposed to be with. But, like, that song, just, like, there's something about the nature of, like, how it moves. And, like, there's, like, different, like, ebbs and flows in the song. Uh, another thing, you know, we haven't talked a ton about is, like, Dave doesn't exactly have, like, a really far-reaching vocal range. He's staying pretty low the whole time. Right. And as a guy who doesn't necessarily have a, a wide vocal range either, like I enjoy singing along to that song because it stays in my register. But it just like, there's something about the melody of it and the ebbs and flows, like I said, and like, you know, it feels so good. Just <laughs> like, there's just so many different textures to that song that I love. Um, but... My, yeah, I, I would I would have to pick Rapture, but there's a lot on this album that I just really really love. Andrew, I would imagine that your favorite is probably another one that I would have picked. Second best, pro- yeah, I, I'd have to say second best, uh, and really, pro- in all truth, for the outro, which is funny that one of my favorite parts of this album has no lyrics when it when the lyrics are so good in the rest mm-hmm. of it, but. Mm-hmm. Second best, <laughs> uh, it'd be second best, or I love penetration. I bet mm. you do. Um, <laughs> but it again, it's it's like the the way that it is heavy. I mean, second best just it, second best has everything that I like in a song, but I also mm-hmm. find myself a little bit having to tolerate how slow it is at the beginning. Not how mm-hmm. not how how soft, but how how it just drags. But it <coughs> but it matters so much to the whole song. Um, yeah. I texted Andrew this a couple weeks ago, but I had a dream where I was like really scrambling because I had to get this edit finished, like a video edit, and it was all like drone, beautiful drone footage of like landscapes and stuff like that and I had to put it to second best <laughs> I was like, what a horrible song to put Iceland to um, but uh, yeah, I can't that believe song. neither one of you said Indian oh, Summer 
I really like Indian Summer. I actually like. I actually kind of like the back half of this album. Maybe, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, like rehearsal and rehearsal is are just so like really good. Really, really good, dude. The so I know we don't have enough ton of time left, but the lyrics in rehearsal when it's from his wife's perspective, mm. and she's just letting him have it. She's like, "You mother, I've got you figured out. You think you're smart. You think yeah. you're clever. Yeah. You think yeah. you're uh, uh, original." And yeah. she's like, "He." You know, the line is in the chorus, darling, you are so unoriginal. Each move more obvious than the one before it. And like, you're like, ooh, I mean, like, I didn't even realize for a long time that it was going back and forth from different perspectives. Yeah. And she gets her say. And um, even the way you just read it, you could hear that in a Beyonce song. (laughs) Go ahead and get gone. Call up that chick and see if she's home. Oops, I bet that I didn't know. Yeah, this is a great one to like, if you were just to take these lyrics and, and then and then not tell somebody who who wrote them what they could be, you know, what, what other yeah. songs they could be used for. But that's also rehearsals, the song where he drags out the word infidelity in the first verse. Yeah, here's the thing that's so much more depressing than the infidelity itself. When he sings infidelity, it takes like seven <laughs> seconds to get through the word. It's awesome. John, I can't believe you haven't done a Bands with Managers yet. Bands. Bands. John's doing Goulet, doing Pedro. Papa, I like it when you call me Big Papa. (laughs) It feels so good. All right, I'll give you my my lyrics. Um, Priests and paramedics just kind of ring pretty, pretty hardcore. Especially these days. Which part? Um, so it says, the neighbors heard a fight. Someone had a knife. It must have been the wife. And it says, husband's lost a lot of a lot of blood. He wakes up screaming, oh my God, am I going to die? Am I going to die? As they strapped his arms down to his sides, it's times like these they'd been taught to lie. Buddy, just calm down. You'll be all right. That one just has a, like... I mean, because full disclosure, like I've I've been in that position, mm-hmm. yeah. and just I can't imagine, like again, yeah. a twenty six year old kid having the wherewithal to yes. and foresight to to write about something like that, and really younger, because yeah. these were probably written. I mean, these were written anywhere from sure. who knows how young up until whatever. Um, yeah, I thought about you re-listening to this about the priests and paramedics and. I was I was going to ask your perspective on that, which you just answered. But. Yeah, it is. It is. It is very much just like a you see tragedy, and ultimately, like you see, like so you can kind of have an eye for like this is not going to end well, mm-hmm. and hmm. you still got to go through the motions of we got to try and save this person, or we got to transport this person. Jeez. And you're dealing with family members and people on scene and people, you know, that are asking questions that you cannot give the ultimate answers mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's really, really jarring. So the seed in the spill. It's <laughs> <laughs> my next tattoo. <laughs> That's my next band name. The seed in the spill. The scene, the spill. but don't you? Don't I always you, thought that with the spill canvas, I was always kind of like, 
Well, it, it's it it kind of goes back to like something we said a little bit earlier too. You know, like Dave kind of went through this whole like I'm assuming I say I call him Dave as if I am buddies with him and get coffee. Um, yeah, he certainly kind of went through his like deconstruction of his beliefs and stuff like that, and that is also kind of like an interesting flavor in all of his music is this like religious undertone or like the battle with religion and his undertone and to put you know to put a lyric like that like the seed and the spill in his lyrics and in his songs you're just going yeah this guy grew up with the bible he this guy grew up in church and stuff like that it's just it's it makes him really unique and um yeah like you said andrew earlier it's an interesting time to kind of come across this album at the age that we did because of just kind of where we were and and our life as 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 people and stuff like that and it's just kind of cool to hear someone going like i'm gonna kind of poke and prod at this and ask my own questions and express my own beliefs and really kind of figure out what's what um he's got a lyric on achilles Mm -hmm. i know what you're gonna say before you say it can i say mine I know, I know what you're going to say about Achilles Hill too. Can I just say mine real fast? Yeah, go there, for there's it. a reason. So, yeah. so the, uh, uh, to preface what Britt's about to say from this album, Control, he has a line that says, "I don't know exactly the con. It's a little bit different than what you're going to say, Britt, but I, it to me, it's the same exact thing." He says, "Quote, and I feel the darkness growing stronger as you cram light down my throat." <laughs> Mm-hmm. And how does that work out for you in your holy quest to be above reproach? You kidding me? Hmm. So yeah. like I don't, yeah. you know, so and it's good. not like boo evangelical outreach. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's just like what you said, John. Like poking and prodding it, yeah. Even to get you thinking, I don't, you know. It, I just that line to me, and and is like a cousin to what. Britt, you go ahead. Yeah. Hit him with foregone conclusions. Is it, yeah, it Give is. it to me. When he says, you were so busy trying to steer the conversation towards the Lord that you didn't hear the voice of the Spirit begging you to shut the f*** up. <laughs> Amazing. When I heard that line, especially from the background that we all share, uh-huh. from the place mm-hmm. that we were at, it, like... That felt like an anvil on my shoulders where I was just like, <laughs> like you want to talk about just treasure time. <laughs> I do. actually. Or you want to get, you want to talk about getting called to the table for some things. Mm, like yeah, it was just yeah. that, mm-hmm. that lyric sticks out in a way. And that's not from control. We're, we're coloring outside the lines here, but those are the kind of lyrics mm-hmm. that he writes mm-hmm. where it's just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. man, this is so subtly overt and earnest to bring it mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. that only this guy could do it. And so. you have to, and you, and again, this the whole like you can listen to this album and enjoy it, and you know, rage to it and what an air drum to it, and without ever hearing a single lyric. That's true, in my opinion. Like, That's and true. then you can go, and then you get this like. You start looking at the lyrics, and it's a gut punch. Um, yeah, I I don't plan on getting a divorce. You know, that's not like, but but when you when I listen to this, I'm like, I become interested in like the psychology kind of of 
of what this fake character is going through. And yeah. like when he says, and I'll just, uh, one more line that I love because it's so like, oof. I could never divorce you. And then he leaves it hanging. And then he comes in with, without, without a good reason. reason. So it's like this. Mm, the, yeah. And then the subsequent lines and options have that same cadence where he gives you something that you bite off on and then he flips it on oh, the dude. second part mm. of that. Because this was line. the first album that I heard and him saying, ending the song with, and I, and she mostly believed me and I mostly believed her. And it's good to have options. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> well, that was a deeper dive than 30 minutes, but I think it was good. Was that an hour? Yeah. 55 minutes. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. Oh, Pedro, bring it on. Go listen Pedro to, brings uh, it. Go listen to Control. Maybe cue up Listomania and Phoenix afterwards That's to, right. to pick you back up, but uh, it's a good one. Take some antidepressants and listen to control. Oh, in the future, we should do like what we should do a pairing, like 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 Ooh. wine and food. Like what goes with this album? Oh, mm. I like that. Well, either either another album or a movie. What goes with this album? Do you want to seep into it, or do you want to come out of it? Maybe a Manchester by the Sea. Oof. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that's a heavy one. All right, boys. Thank you guys so much. Um, this album is underrated. If you haven't heard of it, please listen. You can listen on all the uh, music platforms. Pedro the Lion, Control. Control.